you know it's National Margarita Day? No. I was going to make margaritas for <laughs> breakfast, but then I got home late. Also, I don't think we have anything to make margaritas with other than tequila. Did you, there at the Brits, Lizzo and Harry and uh, all of that that went down, and then Jack Whitehall took a drink of Harry's drink he was like he was like what's this apple juice okay let's do it and he's like oh my god that's just straight tequila what are you doing <laughs> and then lizzo he was like no but seriously lizzo taste this it's just tequila and then she chugged the whole thing <laughs> it was chaos oh it was beautiful. god damn it i love her she's great she got me through work yesterday i was like look i'm gonna need a little lizzo on my radio station here Solid station. Ooh, I should show you a song called Making a Move. It's not mm. by Lizzo, Who's but by? it's. I think her name is Bree. Bree? It was on my Discover Weekly, and mm-hmm. when I heard it, I was like, oh, ooh, ooh, <laughs> get my data. <laughs> yes. It's really great. We'll have to share that. Do you have Spotify? Huh? Do you have Discover Weekly? Do you use your Discover Weekly or not? Um, I don't really use it. It's really, there's a lot of good. Yeah. Gems in there. Oh. My Spotify algorithm is all messed up, though. So it's always like, hey, have you heard of this musical? It's like, yes, I've heard of that musical, but I'm not <laughs> putting it in for a reason. I don't need to discover it weekly. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I feel like there were two things that we had to. Sh- oh, I remember now. So we went to the gym this morning. We got up very early. Mm-hmm. And by really early, I mean like what time I usually get up to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Including the like nine snoozes. <laughs> yeah. So we get, to, we we're walking into the gym and Danny starts to laugh as we're like walking in the doors. I was like, what are you laughing at? And she goes, I just saw a bumper sticker that says I trip over my wiener. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was a dachshund. Oh, <laughs> Oh my god. She was like, that's the best, like, my dick is too big joke I've ever heard. And she was like, and they had a bunch of other little ducks and stickers all over their car. She was like, but that one, wow, gorgeous. So we had a good hearty laugh about tripping over wieners. <laughs> Oh, man. I want one for my car. I don't have a wiener dog. <laughs> you just have a giant dick. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> it's my huge wiener. <laughs> Are you just really into curing meats now? <laughs> yes. I see a bumper sticker almost every once a week, I'll say. Okay downtown area huh. and it says rugby oh what is it god damn it i always forget it's like rugby is a social disaster or something it's like a really strong take on rugby okay. and i don't know why oh my god <laughs> but i think about it all the time and whenever i'm ready to talk about it i always forget exactly what it says <laughs> but i see it once a week that's amazing those people really hate rugby yeah and it's on like an old truck also, to, who has that strong of an opinion on Nobody. rugby? Like, people love rugby, but, like, who hates it that much to put a bumper sticker <laughs> on oh, Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi, we're here. This is That Broad's Got Moxie. It sure is. My name is Kiana. I'm Cassie. Danny's here. 
in her adorable fucking overalls. Very cute. Yeah. She didn't think she could pull them off. And yet here she is. Here she is. Cute as a button. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. This is the f- second episode. Mm-hmm. I made the last episode season two. Mm-hmm. Episode one because... You know, year two. It's year two. Volume two. Volume two. Yes, indeed. So we're here. It's episode. Do we decide it's 57? 57. So you get to go first. I have a note <laughs> I have to tell you. My sister mm-hmm. recently discovered podcasts, and I was like, oh, fucking finally. <laughs> Welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> Listen to our podcast. So oh, she's bounced around and listened to a bunch of them. And she thinks it's the funniest fucking thing that it's like this running gag that every other episode, I'm like, fine, you get to go first. (laughs) She's like, that's how it works. Why do you have such a problem with it? I was like, I don't know. It's also not a gag. You genuinely are hurt. I genuinely get butthurt every time I have to go second. (laughs) We sat in the beginning stages and we talked about it. It was only like... We were like a quarter of the way through. Yeah. And you all of a sudden were like mad at me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just, look, I always have to go second. When we no, were, we don't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, you know, we literally just talked about it. You go second every other episode. Yes. But when we record two episodes, we almost oh. always start... With, you know, you start mm-hmm. with one, and then it's two. Mm-hmm. And then the next time we record, three, and then four. So every time we sit down in this room, <laughs> I'm like, dang it, I have to go second again. <laughs> so anyway, I just shout out to my little sister for finally <laughs> listening to us. She thinks we're a real riot. Also, she thinks it's hysterical that Sage is your nemesis. <laughs> I believe she said her favorite one was when you were talking about, oh, it was somebody recently had um, a child named Basil. Mm-hmm. And, and then you were like, that's my favorite herb name. <laughs> Fuck you, Sage. <laughs> <laughs> so one time recently, uh-huh. I was like, Sage, I, because I was in the wrong, we were arguing because we do all the time because I start arguments. <laughs> But I was in the wrong. So I was like, Sage, uh, I respect your opinion. And he was like, oh, my God. I've never heard that ever in my life from you. <laughs> and I never thought I would. You're like, oh, man. I get it. I get it. It's so good. Okay. Anyway, back to business. Who are you doing today? It's a surprise. I'm doing somebody else named Mary. <laughs> Three in a row? Yeah. And it was an accident. I was halfway through this and was like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> I like looked at my other notes and I was like, it's another Mary. It's another Mary. That's exciting. That's three in a row. And so now I might just do, now I just might exclusively cover Marys. I think <laughs> I'm on a roll. <laughs> All right. Mary. This, this Mary's name is Mary 2X Early. Oh, okay. Yes. So sources today are the CanadianEncyclopedia.ca. Oh. Authentic. (laughs) 
authentic Canadian information. Hot damn. <laughs> um, a Historica Canada video on YouTube called Woman in Canadian History, Mary Tuax Early. An article called Mary Tuax Early, Crusader for Equal Rights for Aboriginal Women mm. by Wayne Brown. And <laughs> ClarissaPeterson.com. Where Clarissa named Mary Tuax early badass woman number two. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Solid. Okay. Thanks, Clarissa. And Wayne, I guess. Way to go. Yeah. So before I begin, I'm going to be saying Indian a lot, mm-hmm. but specifically the language used in legislation that I'm going to be referring to. Gotcha. But know that it's entirely about indigenous and Aboriginal women. Okay. So... That's just, I tried to cut it out, but then it didn't really work that well, especially when it's the name. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. I'm going to be talking about the Indian Act. Okay, exactly. (laughs) And I can't not say that. (laughs) Also, if you still call Native people Indians, just grow up. For real. (laughs) That's what I decided. Solid. Solid. (laughs) Because that's, it's just wrong. Absolutely. (laughs) Columbus was wrong about a lot of things. He sure was. Including, but not limited to, thinking he was in India. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> Fucking dumbass. Did you know? This is just a fun fact. Okay. This is not about Mary. In Portland, mm-hmm. we have the Columbia River. Mm-hmm. And you'd think it's named after Columbus, but it's not. It's named after a boat called the Columbia. Oh. But the boat was named after Columbus. But there's some degree of separation there. <laughs> <laughs> What a fun fact. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. <laughs> so, Mary. Mary Tuax was born on the Mohawk Reserve of Ganawagi, which is close to Montreal in Canada. Okay. And I know how to pronounce it because the video. <laughs> nice. But I would not have thought it was that. It's spelt K-A-H-N-A-W-A-K-E. I don't want to brag. <laughs> But, but you knew? Grow, I, I w- maybe would have guessed. Look, I grew up in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And also, like, Wisconsin, where everything is called, like, Maguanago mm-hmm. and Waukesha. Yeah. <laughs> Things like that. So yeah. it's like, okay. Yeah. I get it. That's, yeah, that's true. I just read it and was like, okay, it's Kanawaki <laughs> or, like, you know, yeah. and then I watched yeah. the video and was like, whoa, whoa, that's not, I don't understand how anything works ever. Perfect. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. As a child, Mary lived with her mother, who was an Onita teacher, healer, and nurse. Mm. Uh, her mother's work meant that Mary grew up in an environment where she was often close to to vulnerable community members. And most of her childhood was spent on the Ganawagi Reserve until her mother's work took them to North Dakota. Speaking of the Dakotas. Yeah, it's real boring there. Well, it was real (laughs) sad for Mary because in North Dakota, tragedy struck. Shit. And Mary's mother died uh, due to the Spanish influenza while caring for students who also had succumbed to the illness. Now orphaned at age 10, Mary moved in with her grandfather back on the reserve. Mm -hmm. When Mary turned 18, she did what people at that age dreamed to do and moved out of there to good old New York City. New York City? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she settled in Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. where there was a dense population of Mohawks earning the neighborhood the title of Little Kanawagi. Oh, that's so interesting. I never have heard that or would have guessed that. Yeah. I like that. But it was 
It was specifically in the 1920s, so it's I don't know. Adjacent if it's... to Little Italy. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we <laughs> not said at all. that was. <laughs> but it was during the like boom of like New York was like, uh-huh. really getting big and yeah, stuff. it's when this the Harlem Renaissance. Mm, yeah, yep. Is a lot of people flocking to New York, starting their new lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Good connection. Thank maybe. you. <laughs> and while working. In New York, she met a gentleman suitor by the name of Edward Early. Edward was an electrical engineer of Irish-American origin and a man whom she had fallen deeply in love with. Oh, They got married and had two children together named Edward and Rosemary. Adorable. Yeah. Rosemary, still a better <laughs> herb-based <laughs> name than That's Sage. my favorite herb name. And now, as an indigenous woman marrying a non-indigenous man, she lost her status as a, quote, Indian Mm -hmm. under the Indian Act in Canada. Oh. So, at the time, all of this was of little concern to Mary, who said, quote, who thought about status? We were in love. But you see, it was concerning, Uh and it's going to play a big part in her later life. Mm. Okay. Under the Indian Act, status Indian women who married out, okay. all terminology from uh-huh. this, could no longer live on the reserve, own land there, participate in the band's political life, oh. vote in its elections, or be buried there. Oh my gosh. Also, any children that were had in these marriages could not hold, quote, Indian status. What? So by marrying a non-Indigenous person, yeah. you were basically forfeiting... All of your rights as an indigenous woman. And all of your heritage. Yes. Like, they're like, all right, you decided to leave by forever. Right. That's crazy. All bad. And it gets worse. <laughs> so status Indian men who married out could still pass down their status to their wives and children. Ugh. But <laughs> status Indian women could not. <laughs> While the Aboriginal people themselves had not previously regarded women as second-class citizens, the law reflected the Victorian European notion that women were legally possessions of their husbands. It also determined that Indian status was based largely on male lineage. Okay. These status provisions worked as agents of forced assimilation and disenfranchisement, Mm -hmm. which marginalized indigenous women and institutionalized male privilege within the band governments. Fucking barf. Yeah. God. (laughs) That's just a whole pile of what the fuck. Garbage. Garbage. Garbage (laughs) pile right there. Also, I have a quick question. Mm -hmm. So... Aboriginal mm-hmm. as as a term, mm-hmm. I thought that was like specifically indigenous people from Australia. They use it as a term in Canada too. Do they? And okay. I I found because it was in all of the articles they would uh-huh. use indigenous and Aboriginal like interchange- interchangeably. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Good to know. Thank you for clearing that up. No problem. Where was I? Fucked up. Yep. Yeah. Well, Mary, in love, was miffed by this, obviously, <laughs> Obvi- but didn't really put up an, a fuss mm-hmm. until 1966. In 1966, at the age of 55, 55 oh, shit. Mary got mad. Finally. <laughs> well, it was, it's, it's 40 years of fucking... It's, yeah. br- it's been brewing. Yeah. And there had been women before Mary uh-huh. who were like 
hey, this is fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you, you went, hey, this is fucked up. Way back here. Well, because they weren't, they weren't allowed in. Exactly. To like, ex- the, they're on the other side of a, of a barrier of some yeah. sort. So they had to yell over the patriarchy. And it was so quiet. It was just a little whisper. I had to really express that. I liked it. <laughs> so a friend of hers who had married out and lost her status died in Mary's arms. The official cause of death was a heart attack. But Mary believed it was caused by the stress she suffered after she was ordered to leave the reserve and sell her family's house because she was no longer considered an indigenous woman. Mm -hmm. And to make matters worse, her friend, after her death, was not allowed to be buried with the rest of her family on the reserve. Yeah. Like, all of this is terrible. Yeah. It's not right. Yeah. But specifically, like... It's, it's a you're, like your whole family, your whole culture, and then you you don't get to like go back and like have your final resting place. Yeah, among those people that you loved, that's yeah. some fucked up shit. Yeah, okay, it's like a shit on top of a shit storm. <laughs> like your life was already bad because yeah. you were robbed of your identity. Uh huh. Absolutely, and any rights that you had. Uh huh. And then on top of it, it's like, oh, you died. Bye. Not my top, not my problem. <sighs> so, less than a year after this, Mary founded a provincial organization called Equal Rights for Indian Women and began fighting for the recognition of indigenous women's rights. Good for her. She mobilized a series of speaking and writing campaigns to raise the profile of abuses faced by women who had been denied status, treaty, and property rights under the Indian Act. She often faced opposition from First Nation male leaders... Oh. Who feared that the marriage of Indian women to non in, non indigenous men uh-huh. would lead to the assimilation and erosion of Aboriginal autonomy. Autonomy. Okay. So essentially they're like, we don't want non indigenous people coming in and trying to change everything. For women only, because men could still Oh, that's right, Mary. Oh, fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> it was it's not a good argument. Like it's There's just it a seems... whole lot of patriarchy at work. Yeah. On the face of it, you're like, oh, they're worried about the uh, survival of their culture. But they're but at not. The end, at the end of it, they're doing, they're allowed to do stuff, but women aren't allowed to do yeah. stuff. And that's bullshit. That is real bullshit. And then they also argued, these, these men, mm-hmm. that the cost of extending Indian status to thousands of deregistered First Nation women and their children would be too high. Which is like, maybe you shouldn't have deregistered them in the first place. Exactly. <laughs> you want to avoid those costs. think about that. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, this is just a lot of male. Yeah. This is a male issue. <laughs> exactly. It's not just a First Nations people versus, you know, women. It was... Yes. Who, who had a hand in that? The mm-hmm. colonizers. Mm-hmm. I just want that to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> These were the bullshit excuses that were putting they were putting forth, uh-huh. and Mary was like, "Nah," and so <laughs> she just kept writing and speaking and encouraged other women to start writing and speaking out. Uh-huh. And as a direct result, the Royal Commission on the Status of Women in Canada began a hearing on the issue. Oh, while the findings recommended 
quote, that the Indian Act be amended to allow an Indian woman upon marriage to a non-Indian to A, retain her stat- Indian status, and B, transmit her Indian status to her children. The change was not adopted. It wasn't? No. Oh, fucking A. So they were like, yeah, we should not. <laughs> and then they were like, mm, no, thank you. <laughs> we're good. We're good, thanks. Right. In 1969, the discrimination that Mary was advocating against became a bit more personal. So Edward, the husband, not Uh the son, Uh passed away, and Mary was now a widow. Mm -hmm. She thought, now a widow, the best place for her to settle would be at her old family home that she inherited on the Ganawagi land. Uh But technically, she couldn't get her status back. Yeah, it's not her land to have. Exactly. So she, because she wasn't a status holder, the house wasn't hers. Luckily, Mary's daughter had married a Mohawk man. So the daughter had her status reinstated through marriage. Okay. And was permitted to own the house. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess, but not much. (laughs) It was, it was really hard on Mary, though, because she described this time as just being a guest in her own home. Yeah. But this didn't stop her from advocating for indigenous women's rights and challenging patriarchal oppression that her and many other women faced. The battle continued long into the 70s when some other bullshit occurred. Just just heaps and heaps of it. Heaps and heaps of it. But she's persisting. Yeah, she is. Uh, In 1975, good band, while attending an international woman year conference in mexico uh-huh. so a bunch of bunch of women meeting up having a conference talking about issues sounds like a good time to me right <laughs> mary there mary learned that the ganawagi band council had used the indian act to evict her from the house she had been living at oh quote i phoned home and it was about one in the morning and my daughter said mother we're debating whether or not to tell you you've been evicted from the home you have you have to leave the reserve in 60 days. Oh, my God. Mary got the news and was like, you know who should hear about this? Every single person at this huge international women's <laughs> conference. <laughs> yeah, they should. <laughs> that I'm attending right now at this very second. Mm-hmm. So she went up there and was like, hey, guess fucking what? Just was evicted. <gasps> and the world was like, ooh. That's interesting and shouldn't happen. Uh-huh. And so there was a media shitstorm oh my from gosh. every side. And yes. then the reserve resented the eviction. <laughs> I bet they did. They were like, fine, you can stay here. God. There's more trouble than she's worth. Well, no. <laughs> Mary continued to talk about the institutional discrimination that indigenous women faced from both the colonizing government and the reserve governments. Mm-hmm. And after a long fought battle for recognition, the work of Mary two acts early eventually culminated in Bill C-31, which received royal assent. Uh-huh. Canadian words. I don't know what that means. On <laughs> June 28th, 1985. Basically... The royals in Canada, which is just Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. Probably was just like, good. They were like, okay. Sounds good. Bill C-31. Passes. Way to go. Nice. That's exciting. It only took her fucking... 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. On top of stewing for 40. Yes. Jesus Christ. So Bill C-31 amended the Indian Act to outline a process of reinstatement for some... That's a big one. Mm. Some indigenous women who had lost their status. 
So one week after it passed, a ceremony in Toronto was held, and she was presented with written confirmation that reinstated her status. The Minister of Indian Affairs and Northern Development, David Crombie, said, quote, I could find no greater tribute to your long years of work than to let history record that you are the first person to have their rights restored under the new legislation. Mm. Mary, who is now 73, said of the moment, quote, Now I'll have legal rights again. After all these years, I'll be legally entitled to live on the reserve, to own my property, die, and be buried with my own people. Her efforts benefited about 16,000 women and 46,000 first-generation descendants whose Indian status was reinstated. Uh-huh. Oh, yay! <laughs> Good ha- happy ending. Almost. One second. God damn it. We're going to go down one more time and go back up. <laughs> it's a roller coaster of life. <laughs> So the 1985 amendments to the Indian Act did not go unchallenged, and some bans refused to reinstate the expelled women. So for Mary, there was still work to be done. In December 1993, 83-year-old Mary served as a witness for the Native Council of Canada to testify about the hardships of women expelled from their home. One of her most striking points was the Ganawagi Reserve had three graveyards. One for Catholics, one for Protestants, and one for dogs. While dogs could be buried on the reserve, if you were a Mohawk woman who had married a non-Indian, you had to be buried outside the community. I can't fucking deal with that. Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Catholics, Protestants, and dogs, but not you? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Oh, my God. But after she she was a very powerful speaker, mm-hmm. and after this, the court concluded that yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> and so the Canadian government ultimately had the say in determining band membership and further enforced Bill C thirty one against the band okay. government's uh-huh. wishes. Which, to be absolutely clear, would not have been an issue in the first place if the colonizing government had not introduced this patriarchal oppression Uh to the indigenous group in the first place yeah but then they took it and ran with it (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly god damn it and then i put in quotes maybe rant here maybe rant because (laughs) and maybe i will maybe i'll do a little rant all right here we go i think american exceptionalism is an issue that we all have in the u.s and also just western exceptionalism yep as in sort of like, look at that country doing a bad thing to women. Sure. That look at their barbaric. Like, that's uh-huh. that's the wording that's used. But we need to remember that the West enforced that onto a lot of these countries mm-hmm. in a way that was like, do this or die. Yeah. And so the reason why they're still recovering from that and trying to move towards what their cultures used to be. Mm-hmm. Is because we put it there in the first place. Exactly. So we've really got to check our fucking privilege (laughs) (laughs) and realize that there are a lot of issues that are deeper than just demonizing a whole group of people when we're ignoring historical context. Amen. That's my that's my maybe rant. (laughs) I like your maybe (laughs) rant. That was that was excellent. Thank you. So Mary died of respiratory failure August 21st, 1996, in 
Ganawagi mm-hmm. at the age of 84. Wow. Long life and pretty much a natural death. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been hospitalized since February of that year af- after several years of failing health, uh-huh. which is even more impressive to think about when just three years prior she had gone in front yeah. of to do a hearing uh-huh. and got the rights, more rights. Absolutely. Women, you know, great. So about 200 mourners gathered at an old church on the Ganawagi Mohawk Reserve. And when it was time for her to be buried... There was no question about where she would rest. As she had always wished, she was buried in the Ganawagi Mohawk Reserve as a status Mohawk woman. Oh, yay. <laughs> and that's, that's Mary. So good. Oh, my gosh. What a yeah. lovely story. God, yeah. she's, that's a bad bitch right there. Right. <laughs> she's, I read in one place that she's considered the grandmother of indigenous feminism mm-hmm. in Canada. Mm-hmm. But then I couldn't find it again when I tried putting it in. <laughs> but she's great. Yeah. She's great. I hadn't heard of her previously. But uh, yeah. Also, when you said when you said her name, mm-hmm. Mary Two Acts Early, I for sure thought we were going serial killer. <laughs> and then oh, I was no. like and then I was like, Nope, I'm yeah. wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> the second you heard me say equal rights for Aboriginal women, you were like, yeah. Oh, two acts, oh. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Especially because I went to school with, um, oh gosh, his name was, I don't remember his first name, but his last name was Kills 100. Ooh. And so I was, I was always like, oh, that's a good name. <laughs> it's very intimidating. <laughs> so. Got a lot of power There was that no name. quotes on two acts. It's yeah. not her, like, nickname. Code name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> At every hearing, she carried two axes (laughs) she's amazing that's really incredible she's great what a good story yeah love that we're gonna take a a hard left oh boy (laughs) and uh we're just gonna my story is pretty wild i'm excited i'm excited I, I have Who I've had to like where are we no give me a give me a teaser before you tell me in like 10 seconds where are we we're in Kentucky. Oh. And the, the uh, we'll just say the South. Okay. Okay. It's post-Civil War. Okay. But before Prohibition. Okay. Okay. Gibson girl era. Yes. If you will. <laughs> yeah, if you will. <laughs> All right. My sources, I used Wikipedia. I used this person's memoir, which I will mention mm-hmm. later. A couple different, uh, what are they called? Articles. <laughs> Danny just rolled her eyes so <laughs> hard. The at word me. article <laughs> from ThoughtCo and Washington Post. Okay. Okay. Today I am going to talk about Carrie A Nation. You're gonna like her. She's I... a real Spitfire. <laughs> I vaguely. Okay, go ahead. It's coming. Go okay. ahead. <clears throat> Carrie Amelia Nation was born in Girard County, Kentucky, on November 25, 1846. Her parents, George and Mary, had seven children. Mary. Of whom... (laughs) Another one. (laughs) So many Marys. Okay, so Carrie is the oldest of these seven children. The family ran a plantation and owned slaves. Rough. Just real bad. However, they weren't wealthy and often experienced financial hardships. 
Maybe you should free your slaves. Exactly. (laughs) I'm not a fan of her right now. Mm. Maybe maybe we'll turn around. Oh. Carrie's a grab bag. She's a grab bag. Go ahead. Her parents were not making great choices. Carrie's mother believed that the children should be raised by and with the family slaves. So little Carrie had a lot of exposure to the lives and beliefs of the family slaves. I don't know how I feel about that, but I thought it was interesting that, like, they had slaves, but were also, like, to their children, like, you guys should know what their lives are like. That's a little weird. It's a little... But it's also, like, historically, in America specifically, Mm -hmm. a lot of wealthy families had black women doing the labor of Mm -hmm. raising children. Yeah. And then, like, when they got old enough to, like, think... Uh-huh. They'd be like, by the way, you hate black people. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it was just a real fucked up dynamic that we got going on. Yeah, for sure. Carrie's family was part of the Christian Disciples of Christ Church, um, which would end up playing a significant role in her life later on. So things were not going great for the Moore family. Um, on top of their like money problems, Carrie's mother also had delusions that she was a lady in waiting to Queen Victoria. You knew you knew those seeds were gonna be <laughs> <laughs> For anybody who cares to know what just happened, I have a stack I had a stack of a pack bunch of packs of seeds. Mm-hmm. And Danny, before we even started recording, said, you know those are going to end up making noise (laughs) while we're recording. And I just hit the whole thing, and they all toppled over. And Danny gave me a look that said, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. As per usual, Danny's always right. (laughs) And it's always my fault. (laughs) Last week, I spit water all over (laughs) her. Today, I'm throwing seeds all over the place. (laughs) Welcome to our lives. (laughs) Okay, where was I? Oh, yeah. Her mother thought she was a lady-in-waiting to Queen Victoria Mm -hmm. and eventually came to believe that she was, in fact, the Queen of England. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And because it's the 19th century and no one knows how to deal with mental illness, she was committed and lived the rest of her life in the Missouri Hospital for the Insane. Mm. Which is... I'm sure conditions were great there. Oh, yeah. A real top-notch place. Everybody had... Good treatment. (laughs) There were no lobotomies. None. There were no neglects. Actually, in 1865, I don't think there were lobotomies yet. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know when lobotomies were. (laughs) Fucking sue me. Who knows when lobotomies were? (laughs) Go along with it. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Okay. Drag me on public radio. All right. (laughs) Feel like moving right along in that debate. <laughs> Next, I'm gonna come for you about your millions. Don't worry. Oh, I don't. I know, right? <laughs> millions I'm of negative dead? that much. <laughs> okay. In 1865, Carrie met Charles Gloyd, a young doctor who had fought for the Union in the Civil War, hmm. but he was a severe alcoholic. Mm. Which he developed 
in, on the on the front lines. Yeah, because that was fucked up. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was pretty bad time. There's was a, oh my god, to live in this time period would be miserable. Yeah, <laughs> it would be fucking terrible. <laughs> Ever like nothing has gone up yet. No, it's like by the way, remember this time period, slaves. Also remember. <laughs> <laughs> mental health wasn't treated very well still not yeah but also remember the civil war and alcoholism that was developed because yep. they had ptsd but yeah. that's not they a were thing yet dying on the fucking battlefields left and right oh yeah. my god it's not great okay so oh, and she's a woman is that and, gonna come in to oh, effect oh yeah oh my god okay <laughs> look she's a real gem <laughs> she was a real a real joy to write about. Okay. So after a very intoxicated courtship, he proposed. She said yes. Uh, even though her family was like, <laughs> I don't see this going well. <laughs> like, maybe this isn't the best idea. But despite that, they were married on November 21st, 1867 and were separated 10 months later. Nice. In the meantime, they were married just long enough for Carrie to get pregnant and have their daughter Charlene in September of the following year. So literally like 10 months later. Hmm. Bang, bang, boom. Things happened quickly. Hmm. And then the next year, Charles died of alcoholism. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. Not great. Everything's so bad so far. It's really bad so far. So, newly widowed, 24-year-old Carrie had a small house built for her mother-in-law, her daughter, and herself with money from her husband's estate. In 1872, she got a teaching certificate from Normal Institute in Warrensburg, Missouri, which I thought was the Normal <laughs> Institute made me laugh. <laughs> um, she then taught at a primary school to support her family and eventually obtained a history degree. And studied the influence of Greek philosophers on American politics. Oh, wow. Yeah. She went from kind of nowheresville, Kentucky, mm -hmm. very little education, mm -hmm. to like, let's discuss Phlocates. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to think Plato. Plato. Thank you. Aristotle. Look, I was trying any, to put philosopher and a name together, and we got Philolocates. So, listen, I just want to say that you dragged me for not knowing when lobotomies were, <laughs> and you couldn't name one Greek philosopher. No, not a single one. And you want to drag me? Yeah. Okay, I respect that. <laughs> In 1874, Carrie met and married David A. Nation who is an attorney slash minister slash journalist and also a father. <laughs> uh, not to mention he was 19 years older than she was. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. The couple fought very often from the beginning of their relationship. Um, so not sure why they got married. Um, but it seems to have been pretty terrible from the get-go. <laughs> she probably just wanted a cool name. Carry a nation. Oh, oh, we're getting there. <laughs> I will. I will start. I will put a little asterisk here. Her name is Carrie, mm -hmm. but because her family was very uneducated, mm -hmm. when her father wrote her name in like their family Bible, he spelt it Carrie C A R R Y, mm -hmm. like to carry a bag. Yeah, but she was like, "That's dumb," and went by Carrie with an I E at the end. Mm -hmm. But then 
referred back mm-hmm. <laughs> to the original spelling <laughs> because it's a fun play on words. Yeah. <laughs> she probably put up with him. She's like, you're a goddamn bastard, but I want that fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> when, when am I going to find somebody else with the last name Nation? You don't even know. Okay. What, does she find somebody else? <laughs> no. She doesn't. Okay. <laughs> no, but she's really going to... She, she's going to carry getting a there. nation. We're getting... She sure is. David Nation moved the family from Missouri to Texas to a cotton plantation, which was a terrible idea because none of them knew how to grow cotton. <laughs> and the venture failed very quickly. Okay. He, like, they did, they never, not never, they didn't get divorced or separated, but he went away to go find work as a lawyer while Carrie opened a hotel in Columbia which became quite the hopping spot. Hmm. Carrie, her daughter Charlene, her stepdaughter Lola, and her dead husband's mother all lived in this fucking hotel. Just yeah. chilling. Things were going great for Carrie. The hotel's doing well. She had a whole like a whole fucking setup mm-hmm. when David came rolling back into town. He had this, oh my God, I laughed so hard. I had to Google this to make sure this was a real thing. Okay, so David had become involved in the Jay Woodpecker War. And what's that? It's an international dick swinging competition. Sure is. International. Dr. Bluebird was fucking involved in the... Blue Jay, Dr. Blue Jay. It was, I actually, I was like, that's not real. But it was like, it was infighting in a Democratic Party in Texas during this time. Mm -hmm. It's it's dull and boring, but it's got a funny name. Why was it called Woodpecker? Fuck if I know. (laughs) It was the Jays versus the Woodpeckers, like the Sharks versus the Jets, you know. It was just a baseball game. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Or football. All right. So he had become in. <laughs> Maybe it's rugby. Shut up. <laughs> He'd become involved in this. Mm-hmm. He pissed a bunch of people off and then his life was threatened. So he packed everyone up and was like, we got to get the fuck out of Texas. Aww. And then they moved to Medicine Lodge, Kansas. All right. <laughs> Things are about to get wild. I literally put, shit's about to get real. (laughs) So, since the death of her first husband, Carrie believed that liquor was truly the root of all evil. This is why I know her. This is why, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Also, we are re-recording this today, February 22nd, Mm -hmm. which is National Margarita Day, which I thought was very apropos. Okay, so she began her fervent temperance work in Medicine Lodge by starting a local branch of the Women's Christian Temperance Union. The sale of liquor was already illegal at the time in Kansas. But it's boring in Kansas, (laughs) and people like whiskey, uh, so their campaigns to enforce the laws fell short. Basically, they were like, yeah, it's illegal, but... (laughs) 
So Carrie's <laughs> methods escalated from simple protests outside of the saloons to serenading patrons with hymns um, <laughs> to greeting bartenders with pointed remarks such as, quote, good morning, destroyer of men's souls. <laughs> Exactly, it sure is. Okay. So, there's this claim that she's, like, six feet tall. Mm -hmm. But then I read another thing that was, like, she's not fucking six feet tall. She's (laughs) 5'5". But I like to imagine her as this very tall, six foot tall woman. Her aura. Her six foot tall. Oh, it sure the fuck was. There are some people who you see and you're like, oh, you're shorter than I thought because they give you... Tall energy. (laughs) Kind of like a, you know, it's like big dick energy, but big tall energy. (laughs) Or like a little short person energy. Yes. And then you meet them and they don't match the height. Yep. That's probably what... That's... She's... Yeah. She's six foot tall. She sure the fuck is. In the eyes of the drunk men. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, I put, through her... Though her six foot frame could be intimidating, her her attempts were just not working. So, Carrie began to pray to God for direction. Religion comes right back into it. (laughs) On June 5th, 1900, she received her answer from God in the form of a heavenly vision. And here's how she described it. Quote, the next morning I was awakened by a voice which seemed to be speaking in my heart. These words go to Kiowa. And my hands were lifted and thrown down. And the words I'll stand by you. The words, go to Kiowa, were spoken in a murmuring musical tone, low and soft, but I'll stand by you was very clear, positive, and emphatic. I was impressed with great inspiration. The interpretation was very plain, and it was this. Take something in your hands and throw at these places in Kiowa and smash them. What a revelation! Carrie called her temperance squad and found several hefty rocks, uh, which she called smashers. Mm -hmm. And they proceeded to Dobson's saloon on June 7th, announcing as she walked in, men, I have come to save you from a drunkard's fate. She began to destroy bottles of booze, furniture, and anything else the crew deemed inappropriate. (laughs) After she similarly destroyed two other saloons in Kiowa, a tornado hit, like, all of eastern Kansas decimating towns, which she took as divine approval of her actions. That's a reach. That's a big reach, but she was like, I did my job, God came in, took care of the rest, clearly he's pleased. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Her fame grew, as did her arrest record, as she continued down her path of destruction. After she led a raid in Wichita, Kansas, her husband, David Nation, joked that she should use a hatchet next time for maximum damage. Oh, my God. Carrie replied, quote, that is the most sensible thing you have said (laughs) since I married you. And then the couple divorced in 1901. Oh, good. <laughs> so he said that. That was the first and last sensible thing. And then he was like, you got to get your shit together here. I was joking. 
she just took it as okay you're you've done your work now yeah. i'm done and she was like you. bye <laughs> and he filed for divorce because she deserted him <laughs> that was true she just had to have a girl's night <laughs> destroying <laughs> all, every tavern Oh my God. All right. Alone or accompanied by him singing women, she would march into a bar and sing and pray while smashing everything to bits. Oh, my God. Um, she had three favorite hatchets. Their names were Faith, Hope, and Charity. I cannot do this. <laughs> Are you fucking with me on this? No, I'm not. <laughs> I read this and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Also, oh. I would like to mention, I started reading about her while I was sitting in a bar drinking whiskey, <laughs> waiting for scoops to come hang out. <laughs> oh so, it was, yeah, I sat at the bar laughing at the like out loud over mm-hmm. my cocktail <laughs> reading about this woman. Oh, my God. Okay. So, though her entourage frequently attended these, quote, hatchetations. <laughs> Describe yeah. what I just described my face. There was <laughs> the biggest eye roll and just like, oh my gosh. God damn. <laughs> so, they were, her entourage were often there, which was just a gaggle of women, like, cheering her on. <laughs> which, I love it. You know, women supporting women. I'm into it. No, 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 no. Shut up. <laughs> When I was talking to my, we talked about the podcast Mm -hmm. for half an hour the other day, and she thinks it's hysterical when you tell me to shut up. When I'm like, but she's doing good, and you're just like, I stop it, you're done. Uh, Yeah, just. (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm into it. So her crew's there, but she always did the demolition by herself. She, you know, divine. At one point, Carrie destroyed just a slew of bars in Kansas City. Uh, she was arrested, hauled into court, and fined five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. which is about fifteen thousand in twenty twenty dollars. Okay, but the judge suspended the fine under the condition that she never returned to Kansas City. Did she leave? Yeah, <laughs> like later the <laughs> later in the day, mm-hmm. he was like. You don't have to pay this money, but you can never come back here. (laughs) So between 1900 and 1910, she was arrested over 32 times and she paid her jail fines from lecture tour fees because obviously she took this show on the fucking road and from sales of souvenir hatchets. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> yep i just just for a second i just want us to check her privilege because if she was a person of color or she'd be dead she would be murdered in the first place yeah when she just was having the smashers and she didn't have love hundred, god yeah, on her no, side she's this little old woman walking into bars hatchets in hand and just starts smashing shit like yeah <laughs> also, you're arrested 32 times? 32. Stay. She didn't stay. Exactly. <laughs> she didn't. She never. I don't think she ever had to, like, serve any kind of actual time. 
That's preposterous. They were always like, <laughs> come on, you owe the money. Also, you don't have to fix these fucking establishments that you've destroyed. Uh, yeah. Also, I'm surprised she just wasn't like straight murdered. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's keep going. Okay. Where am I? Okay. So, souvenir hatchets. That's where we are. <laughs> um, God. So, I actually saw a picture of them. They're very fun. They're actually little, like, lapel pins. Um, they were provided by a pharmacist from Topeka. And engraved on the handle of the hatchet, it says, death to rum. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good (laughs) that that sounds like a good pin i want one Mm -hmm. real bad also that's just that's just how i feel about vodka after a night out (laughs) death to vodka amen danny out of nowhere just pulled out two flasks flasks. (laughs) where the hell did that come from vegas (laughs) they were just sitting there because my life is in shambles. <laughs> I got them at Target. Okay. They fit perfectly, one under each tit. <laughs> I had a 16-year-old in England teach me how to hide flasks. Oh, in the sides. In the sides. That's right. At a drag show. I remember you telling me that. My life is glamorous. <laughs> Indeed. Okay. So Carrie's anti-alcohol activities became widely known, as did the slogan that was posted up everywhere that said, all nations welcome but Carrie. Oh, my God. That's (laughs) (laughs) so good. It's so good. Oh, my God. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) So she then... She she's doing all this. She's doing her lecture tour. She's selling her souvenir hatchets. She also published the Smashers Mail, um, which is a weekly newsletter, a newspaper called The Hatchet. And in 1905, she published her life story called The Use and Need of the Life of Carrie A. Nation. So that was also part of where I got my information. Carrie held firm in her beliefs about other things as well. So not only was she smashing shit because she believed in temperance, she was also concerned about tight clothing for women, but not because of modesty. (laughs) She refused to wear a corset and urged women not to wear them either uh, because of their harmful effects on vital organs. Yeah. Which is fucking true. That's true. Okay. You have one redeeming quality. Uh, There's more. (laughs) Believe it or not. (laughs) But you can tell me all you want. By the end of this, I'm not going to be on her side. <laughs> so she also detested smoking and hated secondhand smoke mm. and would often just take the cigarette out of people's mouths and smash it and then like lecture them. <laughs> oh, my God. This is a quote. She said, I want all hellions to quit puffing that hell fume into God's clean air. <laughs> I say that to corporations. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Carrie was also a humanitarian and was often called Mother Nature for her charity and the religious works she did. She's Mother Nature in the way that that tornado was. (laughs) I'm sorry. She's a fucking whirlwind. (laughs) She established a shelter for wives and children of alcoholics. 
She founded a sewing circle in Medicine Lodge to make clothing for the poor, as well as prepare meals for them on holidays. She fought for women's suffrage, conducted women's rights marches, and she led hundreds of women that were part of the Home Defenders Army to march in opposition to saloons. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I will say that is a mixed bag of things, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and say all of the bad just overshadow yeah. anything good about uh, her. <laughs> in January of 1910, Carrie entered a saloon in Montana, ready to mm-hmm. start some shit. What year was this? 1910. I'm trying to think of when Mary Fields was around, <laughs> because that would be a... A duel that I'd like oh to watch. Oh, fucking God. Yeah, but she's real old at the time. So Mary so. Fields was old, too. Not in 1910. I don't know. Years. I forget things <laughs> right after I say them. <laughs> but also, Mary had a gun. So Carrie had two axes. And what? <laughs> Mary. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So, it's 1910. It's the middle of fucking winter in Montana. Not sure why she's going to Montana in the middle of winter. Sounds like a bad time to me. Mm -hmm. So she goes in. She's ready to start smashing shit up. However, the owner, a lady Mm -hmm. who was not about to see her bar get destroyed, took Carrie out back and gave her the business. (laughs) (laughs) A.K.A. an ass whooping. (laughs) Like, took her out. I want to hear about this one. (laughs) She's defending her shit. So beaten and bruised, Mm -hmm. uh, Carrie returned to her home, which had been moved. She had moved from her place in Tech. No, not Texas. Kansas. What fucking state are we in? Kansas. Thank you. (laughs) Um, She had moved from Kansas to Arkansas Mm -hmm. in this little city called Eureka Springs. Mm -hmm. And she had established a home there known as Hatchet Hall. This woman. Which is... (laughs) too much perfect <laughs> the next year in january 1911 carrie collapsed on stage while giving a speech in a local park as she lost consciousness she said and this is using an epitaph that she was like this is what i want she wrote it in her autobiography it says i have done what i could as she's like <sighs> <laughs> collapsing on a stage that's what she said She was sent to Evergreen Hospital, in the city nearby, where she remained until her death on June 9th, 1911. So, six months later. Mm -hmm. She was buried in Belton, Missouri, in her family's plot. Uh, The women of the WCTU had a headstone made, inscribed with the words, Faithful to the cause of prohibition, she hath done what she could, and the name Carry a Nation... Using her given spelling of her name. So, her home in Medicine Lodge, Kansas, the Cary Nation House, was bought by the Women's Christian Temperance Union in the 1950s and was declared a U.S. National Historic Landmark in 1976. (laughs) Thanks, Regan. Oh, fuck that. Don't get get me started on Ronald Reagan. (laughs) Okay, in 19... Oh, this is good. In 1918, (laughs) a drinking fountain was erected in Nation's memory 
by the WCTU. It's currently housed at the Nasture Memorial Park in Wichita, Kansas. Mm-hmm. And so there's this frequently reported myth that the original fountain was destroyed a few years after it was put up by the driver of a beer truck that lost control and ran into it. Oh, my God. <laughs> but they maintain that that is not, in fact, true. I don't but believe them. I say it is because I like it. <laughs> and that is the story of Carrie A. Nation. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I cannot. <laughs> oh, yeah. She... W- I... Okay. The beginning of this, you said Carrie A. Nation. And I was like, I remember that name... Because it's cool. But why don't yeah. I remember anything else about her? And then I remember I forgot because I don't like her. Because <laughs> she's a wild woman who did wild things <laughs> that weren't good. No. She never, uh, to my knowledge, mm-hmm. she never hurt any people. Mm-hmm. I mean, she caused them a lot of financial ruin mm-hmm. and owned slaves, left and right, <laughs> and owned slaves. But she like <laughs> the work life balance. <laughs> she wasn't maintaining it very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. What a woman! What a woman! That really, I was like, I did not agree with any of this, <laughs> but. She did some good. <laughs> Me and my silver lining. <laughs> but everyone loves to hate. I bet her ex-husband was like, why the hell did I say get a hatchet? <laughs> Guarantee it. He was like, should have kept my fucking mouth shut. <laughs> Can't even fucking do that, mm-hmm. can you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was a really good story. Uh, and the the inception of this uh, and like I like I was explaining, sitting in a bar reading about this woman as I'm Yeah. <laughs> sipping my cocktail, I was like, Girl, what you thinking? This is great. Uh, yeah. Axes and hatchets. Axes and hatchets. This, this is, is a, this episode. Uh <laughs> yes, I like it. I like it. It's unexpected. Mm-hmm. You'd think you'd think one direction, and then we go <laughs> in two completely different directions. Just like One Direction did in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, we watched the whole video. Did I tell you this? At the gym. We were at the gym one day, mm-hmm. and... That's what makes you beautiful. I don't know what the song's actually called. What makes you beautiful? That song. Mm-hmm. The music video came on, and Danny and I stopped working out and just watched <laughs> the whole music video at the gym. And I went, "Who's that? Who's that? Who's that one?" And Danny was like, "Oh, that's the one we don't talk about." <laughs> <laughs> it was hysterical. I'm sure everyone in the gym was like, "The f- what? <laughs> Are they seriously just?" Stopping everything they're doing to watch a One Direction music video? Yes. Yes, we are. There's a, I believe it's a TikTok of, of there's two girls. One of them is recording and just has the video on the other girl. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what has 10 legs and doesn't exist anymore? Here, I'll give you a hint and starts playing What Makes You Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Tragic. <laughs> like the girl's face drops. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> 
amazing. Okay. Oh, all right. We've reached the end. Yes, we have. I'll do the socials. Okay. If you like us, hmm. please go and follow us on all of our social medias. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at That Broad's Got Moxie. And on Twitter, uh, we are at Broad's Got Moxie. You can email us if you have anything you want to say at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Additionally, you can just let us know in the comments below. That's right. What you think about us. Yeah. Below. This isn't YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> you just let us know in the comments. Give us five stars. Rate, review, subscribe. You know the deal. All that jazz. Mm-hmm. Do it. We love it. Correct. Yeah. That's all we got. Happy uh, National Margarita Day. (laughs) (laughs) That's just for Danny. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.